You're listening to the Purse Service Podcast, episode number 14. The Purse Service Podcast is made possible by orchestraexcerpts.com, where the best resource for preparing for an audition is just a click away. To become a sustaining patron of the show, visit purseservice.co slash patron to pledge your financial support of the show, and you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Now, here's the show. Welcome back to the Per Service Podcast, everyone. This is a show for classical musicians who are creating a sustainable career in the arts. And yes, I did say that word kind of weirdly, because that seems to be the buzzword lately, especially with some of the bad news coming from three orchestras in the U.S. That's right. We're doing something new here. It's our current events episode. And with less than four weeks until the U.S. heads to the polls to elect new president, we have some of our own thoughts about who would make a much more compelling ticket. To find the links that we mention, uh, just visit perservice.co slash 14 like the number. Now let's get to it. Okay, so we're going to do something a little different here on the podcast. I think uh, we have a little bit of current events topic to go over. Of course, this we're recording this after the, was this the second presidential debate? Yes. Uh, which none of us have <laughs> happy feelings about. Um, but I also want to see, I know, didn't know if you guys had seen, there's sort of been a lot of not great news in the orchestra world with, I believe it's Fort Worth and Pittsburgh and Philadelphia all either. I, again, I don't really know all the details of either being on strike or then, and then management locking them out on top of that or with the word of that, I'm not exactly hundred percent sure, but, uh, I don't know. I was going to kind of talk to you because this is something that kind of every year seems like there's another orchestra that goes through this sort of trying to renegotiate and try to cut player salaries. So I was curious what what you guys have read or what you heard Mm. or some of your thoughts about. Well, from like what I understand with Philadelphia is that the orchestra went on strike just before their season opening gala because they feel like the pay or wasn't significantly restored to that what it was during the orchestra's bankruptcy which ended about four years ago so this is like you know years of turmoil and years of frustration um, that is like still not been fixed and they've striked but what i wonder is like since i'm not living in the states i know it's a little bit different here in europe with a lot of state-sponsored orchestras and no real fear of this bankruptcy so to say um but Is this a surprise for a lot of classical musicians? Because most of the hype that, I mean, as far as I can tell, um, that comes across the internet, as far as classical music goes, is when there's, yeah, something like Lindsay Sterling or someone on the X Factor or like, you know, some short little Vine or, you know, YouTube clip of someone playing on the street. And it's really cool and viral for about three days and then it disappears again. Like, is this a surprise for classical musicians? Because honestly, the classical arts are losing footing in the States and they are losing priority. And as far as I know, I've not heard really any of the presidential candidates say anything about the arts. Mm -hmm. Or You know, I remember when I was first eligible to vote 
the big talk mm-hmm. was education and no child left behind yeah. and this sort of thing. So it was all about the future and not even education is being talked yeah, about. It's all and jobs, so, jobs, jobs. Yeah, it's just jobs and, and weapons and border control and international stuff. And so do you even think there will be a place for us in the future? Like, should we be surprised at these sort of lockouts and strikes and, and loss of money? Well, I would like to say one thing real quickly. I think about Philly is that while they are now not, in bankruptcy anymore, they refuse to increase the musician's pay back to what it used to be. Meanwhile, I believe management has always kept their pay. So this is where the political struggle within the orchestra comes in, you know, management versus musicians. But I do think that there will always be a place for classical music because there are always going to be classical musicians. What that might look like could change. Speaking of Philly in particular, you know, um, 12 years ago when I started undergrad, that was the closest symphony to where I went to school. So that was the one we would go visit. And I had friends that tried to do internships there, et cetera. And I'm not going to pretend to know everything about their internal affairs, but, you know, we were aware of the mm-hmm. financial struggle and then the bankruptcy occurred. And I remember those talks happening yeah. then, like where, what is the future, future of classical music? And I remember Philly did even did this thing where they brought in one of the first things I had heard about where they brought in younger people and had like a green room experience before the concert. And like, that was a new idea 10 years ago where you were trying to pull in the younger audience because they will ideally be your future donors. Right. Um, right. and I remember when the bankruptcy happened, like, like you're saying management probably kept their pay. Musicians were flexible. And then there came a breaking point, right? And although there is some controversy about, I have heard several people voice the opinion, like knew several people who drove like five hours to go to the Philly Gala and then just to have them walk out. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's a little bad. Oh man, the, it was that close to... Oh yeah, like they had the to like come out start. on stage and announce oh. it was canceled. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so everyone was there in their ball gown and had paid for this gala. So that to me, and I'm sure like the union reps were in charge of when the walkout would occur. You know, it is like you're saying, there's a history there. And for each of these orchestras, there's a history of turmoil and probably unfairness. And then to some of us, we're like, what would we give to be in one of these orchestras and take the, less, the lesser pay? Like, yeah. there, you know, there's... That's some of the, what I think has incited a lot of sort of anger. And or I've I've seen, uh, I've been reading a couple, some of the comments on uh, Slip Disc. Do you, you guys yeah. read Norman's yeah. website? And I feel like there's a lot of times management will just will like put out these statements there's usually one line that gets people really upset. And I think the one in Pittsburgh was this comment that management said that we'll look to replace orchestras of, you know, with equal or or of equal caliber or something, which of course I think sets off this huge debate about there. You can't possibly replace this level of orchestra. It's the finest in the world. And there are no musicians in the world that are of this caliber or something. And I think, well, I think the first part of that is it's, it'd be very dangerous for a freelancer to try to, you know, cross the picket line of the musicians to play concerts that the Pittsburgh something, if they try to rehire an orchestra, well, I was in Nashville when Louisville uh, was locked out and there were literally posts on Craigslist. I think even on, on Facebook for holding auditions oh for hiring so an entire orchestra. I don't want to harp on this forever, but it's like, it's kind of 
career suicide or political suicide to be that person if you'll you, be blacklisted. <laughs> yeah, like it's not going to go well. Like it's the music world is very small, and it may you know I think what they were advertising sounds appealing. You know, it's like you know a thousand dollars a week and forty two season forty two week season or something. And it's like yeah, I I would love to be making that, but it's not. That's not the way to go about getting an orchestra job. I think it's going to be an issue though, in like in an increasing amount for the coming days, because I think that it is not no longer sustainable to have the classical symphony probably in each large city. And even, you know, and there are a lot of in smaller cities too. And so there is definitely going to come a time unless there's a revival in young people that work at hedge funds who want to support orchestra single-handedly, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I I think that we are going to be facing this from now on and it'll, it'll be really interesting to tune back in and like, 30 years and we're 60 and we're the ones like on our way out (laughs) because, because I can't imagine what it's like for the older people who are on their way out. They've been used to a very traditional system, but their system is getting shaken up. Right. I mean, sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's some of the things like there are people that are, these are people's lives and people's jobs that are being yanked out from under them. And those aren't the people that are necessarily gonna go out and win another audition for an orchestra. Like they had security because they've been there for 30 years and And they're also also not the type of people who are eager to go do flash mobs to gain a new audience. <laughs> right. Well, Jess and I, for example, a, a couple years ago, took the New Jersey Symphony audition together. And there's a gentleman there who'd been in the area and was from a local symphony that wasn't doing well. And he's like 60 and taking auditions. And I was just like, dang it. Like that. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. I recently um, shared an article on my Facebook about um, mm-hmm. selling yourself short and mm-hmm. how we as artists, as freelancers, um, in any field, not just music, but you know, like photography, um, whatever, if they can get somebody cheaper, they will. But when you sell yourself short, you're, I mean, it's just, it's not doing yourself any favors. It's not doing your profession any favors. It's not doing your colleagues any favors. And that like, you should turn things down Mm -hmm. if if it's an insulting pay. I mean, honestly, now, then there's also the argument like, okay, so I'll give up $50 not and just to do week. not. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I get, listen, I, I get that. But at the same time, we have to respect ourselves and our pay. The whole starving musicians thing or like how many people ask me like, so do you still play the violin? And I'm like, that is what I do for my living. And they're like, oh, you can make a career out of that? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, I get that. Why is that a thing? And then meanwhile, in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, you have, you know, they each have football teams where people are getting paid. Like one player is getting paid the total amount that the entire orchestra is getting paid. So like, don't try yeah. to tell me that the city can't afford it because they could just borrow a couple dollars from a football team and pay their musicians properly. (laughs) So like that is upsetting too. But that, that just straight up comes down to dollars or not an orchestra is a business venture for the city. Like if the orchestra brings in a lot of money, a lot of tourism. Right. And I completely understand that. But at the same time, I guess it's just really sad that this is our at. priorities are well, yeah, but I mean, but it's a reflection of our current state, right? Exactly. Our exactly. generation and younger 
I mean, I watched this painful video where they went to a college and were asking them about very basic questions about history, like the Civil War, like just like who won the Civil War. And people don't know. And it's like they can use Snapchat. (laughs) They can use what, Christian? (laughs) Christian's mining. Who did win the Civil War? No, I mean, and that's exactly why we are where we're at politically and why our priorities are not the arts. And it's a scary, it's a scary time for the arts. I'm going to say, and we have to be willing to do other things. Yeah. Yeah. I've read a a couple of great articles by, I think it's Scott Chamberlain um, has a blog that he's writing quite a bit, keeping up with uh, these uh, strikes and lockouts. Came up with the Kardashians. Yeah. No, I don't think he's keeping up with, with the Kardashians. That's the problem, Anna. I know. That's the problem. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Scott. Um, No, it's fine. Um, writing about so many of uh, the management is are looking at orchestras as for-profit business and rather as thinking these as that they're non-profit businesses and that so much of it has to be connected with having a sustainable vision and community involvement. And of course, if you just look at uh, the one criteria of money, of how much it costs to pay musicians. It's like, yes, of course, it's an absurdly high and you know percentage of your overall budget. Like that's the whole organization basically is is producing concerts, and you need the musicians to do it. And I absolutely agree with the notion and, that the orchestra should be involved in the community. I think that built-in yeah. outreach programs are essential, and it should touch on you know different ages in people's lives in your community. I think that's imperative. And I don't think that that was a trend for so long. I know people are trying to do that now. Um, and I don't know how successful it is. It doesn't seem like it is so much. I think I, people, a lot of people seem to be pointing to Minnesota as a good example of after like part of what helped them get through and kind of their new model is that there are multiple people in different functions like there are musicians that are on the border there are musicians engaged in you know outreach planning and all these you know there are we're not sectioned off into you're only a performer or you're only a manager that's so. a really good point because for the most part i don't want to make a blanket statement here but i'm going to <laughs> um <laughs> but i would say musicians are not necessarily thought of as being extremely business minded Likewise, I would say admin or administration, wait, that is the same thing. Admin or management is not necessarily considered to know what it is like to be a musician because they usually are not. And so therefore we have conflicting thoughts and misunderstandings just right off the bat. And so I think if we can mix some of that, you know, have some musicians who are talking to the management all the time to understand and vice versa, have management talking to musicians about certain things that we might Mm -hmm. not think of, because I do think it is a lot like there's a lot of information musicians don't know. And there's a lot of information management doesn't know. It's all about communication. It's like a constant battle to bridge the gap. And I feel like even in smaller Mm -hmm. groups, you know, I've been in several conductorless projects. Like there's still a healthy amount of misunderstandings there. Like the, in the group in DC that I work with, you know, we've had to, 
rethink how we communicate with our people that we bring in too. And I mean, it's just yeah. like, it's across the board in every, in every um, traditional establishment. I'm curious, cause sort of transitioning into another sort of political uh, environment, it, unless anybody has any f- closing, closing arguments. Well, I sound like a moderator. Anderson Cooper. You just, just call me Anderson Cooper. No. <laughs> Uh, is in orchestra, there's sort of some politics and knowing your, your position or, or how you can accomplish things in sort of a political manner that we have to sort of be savvy about negotiating. And I, I thought of this cause I was, I was sitting in, um, uh, principal second of my lo- little local orchestra here. And I was realizing there is sort of a similar comparison to a lot of the like government in that if I want a Boeing change, I have to convince the concert master that it's a good idea. And so I have to sort of, you know, suggest it in the right way, but not look like I'm very forceful or I make her not like me anymore. And likewise, if I'm sort of sometimes getting requests from the violas that are like, hey, what are you doing here? Could you uh, could we do something different? And then also I have to turn around to my section and be like, do this because I said so. (laughs) And uh, but at the same time, the conductor is also telling me at times, you guys need to be louder. At times there's a dictatorship that I'm like, I just have to listen to what I'm being told. But then I have to sort of lobby to my other principals around me, try to get them to do what I want. So I was just noticing this the other night and I thought, well, orchestras are kind of political. They are kind of political. And here's how I solve that. When you want the concert master to do your bowing, this is what you do. You, you memorize quickly how your bowing sounds like up, down, up, up, that sort of thing. And then you say, Hey, did you do up, down, up, up? That was really good. And then even if they didn't do it, they'll be like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Up, down, up, up. So they'll like take it. Nice. You said like, Oh, that was really good. So basically you make them think it's their idea. It was their idea. Exactly. Yes. Then, but that's, but if that's, if they totally did up, down, 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 like you, you, you're like, no, I'm, I didn't do, I didn't do that. I'm doing yeah, up, then, down, down, you down. Just say again, oh, I thought you did up, down, up, up. It was really good. <laughs> emphasis on the it was really good it was really good i really like it when you then when the violist uh-huh. looks at you and says like oh can we do it differently could we do this you hold a total emotionless face for like a second mm-hmm. and a half nearly two seconds and you give them a slow blink and then just shake your head no gently <laughs> <laughs> This is the best thing ever. Slow blink. Is it supposed to be comical like sort of, or like, because it seems a little aggressive. You think so? Like, no, I, no, I don't think little, it's aggressive. It seems a little like it could be viewed as condescending. Like, Not are you an yeah. idiot? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, no, no, it gives way. the impression of like, I ran through no. the Boeing in my head. Okay. And no. So you oh, have I to see, just oh. watch your facial expression <laughs> on that. Like you are considering it. You're you're considering it. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> I feel like that's sort like of like that. a car buying, negotiating, or something. There's something. There's some principle that's like, you know, say what you want, and then whoever talks first loses. You just <laughs> yeah yeah. Have you guys then, ever watched that Thirty Rock episode where they're negotiating? We, we are binge watching. We're on like you know, episode eighty-seven right now. Eighty-seven. Uh, <laughs> Uh, then the last one for the conductor, when the conductor tells you to do something, whether or not you agree or disagree, you make eye contact shortly, look back at your music, make a thin smile with your lips, you know, where you kind of hide them like that. And you just nod quickly like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. wow, Christian has like this down to a science. Yep. 
There's, there's, I mean, there's a lot to acknowledging what the conductor says. I think a lot of, you don't pick up on that in like youth orchestras or college orchestras that if like, if the conductor's talking to you or if your section leader turns around and says, did you get that, you know, acknowledge that they're talking to you. Exactly. I've been dealing with that a lot in the Broadway pit. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like one person to a part. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a screen on my stand that has a video of the conductor, but you still have to make eye contact with him because everyone's seeing the same thing. So if he like is gesturing at someone to make a change, Mm -hmm. you have to look up, but he's actually like seven, no, eight feet or taller above you. (laughs) So you have to be like, (laughs) looking up at the sky. (laughs) And then hope that you caught whatever was gestured in your direction. Is everybody playing? Is everybody playing in the pit, or are there people like out in the hallway, or, or like in another building, or something? Oh no, everybody's playing in the pit. Everybody's in yeah. Because the there was, I think it was like Spider Man. I read. Yeah, they were like all- the musicians were totally in another across the street. Apparently that, but they were all playing live. Yeah, but uh, um, not for us. Thank goodness. How do they deal with that? Like I would just delay. Think that's so I would think weird. there's gotta be. Ugh. Oh my gosh! I'm learning to play well with a track, though. You guys, getting well. Now. Wasn't wasn't that a thing actually in the ugh, some like giant awards show where they like yes. shuttled yeah. the musicians to another building and it was a disaster. It was when, and it's um, live, of course. And what's that country? Carrie Underwood was singing. I remember, and that was the whole thing. And like she couldn't hear her pitch very well. I don't think either. So like the mix was off, and it was off timing wise. It was like the Grammys or Tonys or something big. I know. Yeah, one of those ones that they always show the musicians out in at Capitol Records. Yeah, and they're all like in their tuxedos. I don't know. This is we're we're, well, we're sorry, totally way bad, off topic. Bad. I have something to say about politics, though. Yeah, there's this great German saying: "A dead fish starts to stink from the head down," and. And it's kind of like that too, like when you look at orchestras that are having problems, if you realize like a lot of the main artistic personnel, the people who have been there the longest, when no fresh wind comes through that area, that makes sense that orchestras are having problem or not staying Mm -hmm. relevant or not growing or not being flexible because it's these people who are are in these powerful positions and don't want to lose their status, you know, don't want to risk letting the good people come in. There's uh, one instrumentalist, I can't say what she plays, but I've even heard her say this, that even though there is the second person on the list who should play solo of this instrument. Like she says, no, I'd rather play every concert and cancel everything else I have to do. than let everyone let then let the rest of the orchestra get used to having a better solo instrumentalist. She's yeah. She's just worried uh, about, you know, being replaced and hold like down, hold down the chair. Totally opposite yeah. of that. Uh, a good friend of mine, her father was principal violist in the opera in Oslo, Norway for a very long time. And even Uh before needing to go into retirement, he was like, you know what? We have a really good section and a lot of talented young people. I don't need to be principal anymore. It's time to let one of them have experience. So he moved back into the section and Mm -hmm. let someone else become principal. And even a good friend of ours, Terry Langdon, did that in Indianapolis, I believe. She was for a long time, I think, assistant principal or associate, like on first stand. And then she was... I thought she was actually principal. I I thought something... She might have even been principal. And then she was like, I don't... I don't oh, really? do this anymore. Yeah. And so now, and she, she even told me, she goes, I have more influence in the section, even from the middle. She's like, you know, <laughs> to be in the group and like, really, you know, like, yeah. well, Chappie, you know, play with people. Chappie's had the same thing. He's tried to step down from principal trumpet for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> he has finally succeeded, but you know, he knew that it was time and 
Yeah. But I mean, I think that is rare. Probably got tired of playing yeah, on the high he's notes. He said he's getting old. I don't know. That's what he keeps yeah. telling me. Uh, maybe trumpet players, maybe trumpet players don't ever feel that way. I think they <laughs> always happy to play loud and high. Right? Yeah, I think it is rare because I think in orchestra, you know, there is that sort of esteem of being there long, you know, holding a principal position for a long time. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that with keeping the orchestra from becoming stagnant? You know, I think yeah. that's that's quite difficult. And of course, you know, some orchestras, of course, pride themselves mm-hmm. on being a tradition, you know, based orchestra where they have a certain sound and that's how they keep it. And so people come into the back and they slowly work their way up, if ever. That's just how it is. So it's I think it's difficult finding that balance of is the mm-hmm. orchestra a money making venture or is it just artistic or is it. Yeah, it is a tricky it's a tricky field to navigate. Yeah, that's true. Also to be employed in. <laughs> uh, and I'm curious about your conductorless orchestra, about sort of how politics uh, happen, sort of like if you want to suggest something, because is, is it like everybody has sort of an equal voice and it's more of an egalitarian ensemble and... You know, you can pipe up from the back and it's perfectly okay to say, could we do that up, down, up, up instead? I mean, yeah, I think that's the goal. In particular, we have um, a fantastic principal cellist who's also a lawyer and he's extremely even keeled (laughs) Um, and he really, you know, supports the egalitarian mindset. On the other hand, though, like we have had people come in for the first time and from the back of the section suggest things and we're like, hey, cool it. Not Um, And that's actually... In my experience, and I haven't played with them consistently because thankfully I'm getting more work in New York, um, although I miss playing with them for sure. Yeah, you're kind of busy playing on Saturday Night Live and stuff. Uh, you know, okay. Life is getting pretty... <laughs> Pretty harsh for you. Baby, you play Mahler way too slow, or airboat at the Super Bowl, accompanied Emmanuel Axe, or Barbara Walters' birthday bash. Maybe you made lots of dough, or ate your pay from TSO. Tell us all about it from your gig of the week. Maybe you nailed everything, or faked your way through Rider Spring, got paid in beer and Taco Bell, or suffered through more pocketbills, saw Essa Pekka Salonen, or one of the Kardashians. Tell us all about it in your gig of the week. Gig of the week! Uh, yeah, it was really rough. Rough times, me and Jimmy Fallon. What? He's really nice. I've heard it's really cold on stage there. Or no, no, that's the Letterman that's show. The Letterman, Letter- that's Letterman is like yeah. freezing. Like if you that's, ever have to yeah. play there. And people people had played on SNL before were like, get ready. But they had a quite an impressive light show for this band. And the lights, I've never sat next to a light that was that physically hot. It came on and we were sitting like we had to be in between them, but uh-huh. for the rehearsal we weren't yet. And uh-huh. it came on and I was like, Youch! <laughs> It's like burning my arm. Hot strobe. <laughs> it was, yeah, crazy yeah. hot strobe. Pardon me. Sorry, anyway, I derailed you, but silly. I wanted to brag on you again. No, it's fine. Gig of the week, y'all. Gig of the week. One of the examples, I don't know I'm getting paid, but I bet I'll be good. I bet I'll be good. <laughs> Not- you know, you graduated when you get gig offers that you're like, I don't have to worry about the pay oh for God, that I'm one. I'm just pretty sure it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Anyway. Sort of even in your... Uh, more egalitarian conductorless ensemble. There are still sort of political expectations of how you should handle or how much you should say. Wow, that was hard to say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think just like with anywhere else, you're not going to... I mean, there's a little more freedom in a conductorless group than in a traditional symphony, but you still have to temper what your opinions are. You have to decide in advance what you really care about. If you really care about that down, up, down, down. Nope. That's terrible going. Overruled. (laughs) 
Let's, let's, that's like the, the fingering choice. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Jess and Christian are right. masters of one, two, one, two, yeah. one, two. Pasagalia. Remember? Totally, like, man. I was like, I was remember being like, hey, Christian, what, what fingering are you using? And he's like, one, two, 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 three. <laughs> and I was like, perfect, me too. Oh my gosh, I love it. But have you seen there are some ways to say things better than others or sort of like a political way? Maybe it's not political. Maybe it's just common courtesy. Of- it's a diplomatic way. There we go. That's that's the word I was looking for. If you're in the back and you're trying, you know, the stand in front of you just has the wrong Boeings or something to say, you know, hey, uh, could could you check what the Boeings are in that measure instead of saying, hey, you guys are doing the wrong Boeings? Like, do, have you seen good examples of ways to sort of ask things like this? I feel like there's a lot of this in quartet playing, too, that it's to not offend your colleagues or your other people in your ensemble i would avoid the general what are you doing there question i mean i just feel like these days i just keep still and shut up otherwise i get way too many opinions yeah it depends what the situation is you know and what the group is yeah a lot depends on you know it's like read the room everyone um read the room read the room because that really dictates a lot i'm also Mm -hmm. currently in the shut up and do what you're told situation currently That's, my That's good for us because I think in previous years, like for example, Jess and I have been given freedom to say things that we want to say in groups and we've had experiences where we're <laughs> allowed or well, we were allowed to have opinions mm-hmm. and we have had leadership roles before. And like for both of us now, we are subs in places in circumstances where seniority rules. For the most part, it's like totally fine. I'm sure there are a couple of things for you and Fry both that were like, yeah, do something different. But well, right. And so I've been concert master before and I have had people who didn't like having a woman sitting concert master. Uh-huh. And so when I would, you know, change a Boeing or be like, hey, everyone, can we play piano there where it's marked piano? They would then turn around and say, don't do it until she and I have a discussion. <laughs> Whoa. And then I would never take their sit. I was like, no, we're going to do what I want (laughs) because I was mad Yeah, (laughs) because they would just completely, you know, disrespect me. And anyway, if somebody wants to have a fit about it, go ahead. I'm going to do whatever, whatever I'm told. (laughs) You're not necessarily playing the popularity game in orchestra. No, I'm playing the please keep hiring me. So I'm just going to do my job. Mm Mm-hmm. Game. Game. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think it depends on like what the situation is, what the group is. Mm-hmm. You know, read the room. That's why I think it's so much is just rather than what you say, it's sort mm-hmm. of how you say it. And your relationship with the person and is so that's why I, so that's why I signif- was like important. As in, do you have one? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's sad that we even have to touch on this. And hopefully everyone listening already knows these things. But sort of my last thought of an example of, I think, better ways to say things is sort of trying to be a little inclusive uh, when you ask things like, hey, we're not matching our Boeings here or we're not matching our pitch here. Could we work on that? Uh, take it, I think, that with a grain of salt. I don't think it's it's always great to be like, hey, we're not doing my Boeings here or something. Uh, it can get out of hand um, or seem sort of pedantic at times, I think, if you're always using that tactic. But I think that's a little less accusatory than when you say like, hey, you're not doing the right Boeing or hey, what are you doing there? The royal we, I think, is what you're going for occasionally. 
Yes. The royal we. To include yourself in there. Yeah. Like, hey, we. Nope, that's not a good sentence. Yeah, because like <laughs> if if you're not matching intonation, it means both of you are not matching. Not it's not like hey, you're playing sharp or I'm playing flat. It's oh yeah, you know we you're not totally rules. <laughs> we rules is what I was trying to say. The the royal we rules. It's a tongue twister. In back to like the conductorless rules. idea, be like, can we maybe do this thing instead? And then it's all encompassing because it's a smaller section, so you know who's doing it. But you have to be a little nice or else the rehearsal is going to be uncomfortable for everyone. And like, don't we all just want to play music and have it sound great and produce a good product? Hopefully. That is the goal. That's that's the thing. And I, I feel like that's the underlying thing that I always want to get back to is that we want orchestra to be a fun time and an enjoyable time and to be able to focus on the music, not annoying people asking inane questions or people offending other people's be, just because of the way they right. word things. And so it's like, you know, mind your P's and Q's. Uh, we can all enjoy <laughs> orchestra much more. Cool. Boom. I agree. So to give our current event episode a little fantastical element, as if real life isn't unbelievable enough with what's going on these days regarding the election, we thought it would be fun to nominate composers or performers from the classical music world, living or dead, as president and vice president of the United States of America. Uh, Michael, who would be on your ballot? All right, so... Of course, uh, I feel like it was maybe a little bit obvious of a choice, but I'll, I'll back it up. The big fan favorite of the podcast, I'm going with Johannes Brahms leading off the ticket. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> I feel like Brahms was a traditionalist and an innovator. He believed in building on the past, but also leading change that we could all believe in, right? He was, because like really, he really respected and was the master of counterpoint and he really respected Bach and and Beethoven and he wasn't about, he wasn't trying to like completely break the system. He was really building on it, but he did it in such a, in a manner that everybody was able to really appreciate it and respect him. I think for for the works he did. I think he he came from humble beginnings. He was a very uh working class uh individual and knows what it means to work hard and be, you know, in the middle class. And uh you know, he had to work in work in bars and stuff. So that's so uh, I just have one little quote from from Brahms that I think is really profound. He says, uh, "The fact that most people do not understand and respect the best things such as Mozart's concertos is what permits men like us to become famous. <laughs> and I just, thought it was so hilarious. I was like, yeah, uh, basically I'm not that good. Like you, you can sort of hear his like humbleness. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really all that, all that new, but it's just that people don't really know how great Mozart was that they're like, Hey, the new shiny object. And so he was sort of okay with being the new shiny object, but it was also what's funny. I think is cause like he was just so good in his own right too. And then, I don't know, I, I had a hard time picking a vice presidential pick. I think I'm probably going to go with uh, Pablo Casals. I don't know if anybody else had Ooh, him. Ooh, good one. Nice. I don't know, I, I just feel like you need a good, respectable, kind of somebody that's comfortable in the supporting role. And I felt cellists are very good in that sort of supporting role because they play so much uh, baseline stuff. And they they don't have to be in the spotlight all the time. 
Although if if a uh, opportunity presented itself, Casals would be he you know he's a one of the best soloists of all time. So well, and I love his quote about when somebody asked him why he still practices, and I think he was like in his eighties or something, and he said, oh, yeah. "Because I believe I'm finally starting to get it." <laughs> yeah, like, like how yeah. awesome! So like is I'm starting to get that. better. <laughs> right, yeah. I all love right. it. Vote Brahms Casals 2016. Woo! That's a good yeah. one. That's really Christian. What about you? So my vote might be a surprise to you guys. I would pick Jean Sibelius mm. because first of all, I think his music is near holy. I think he's just really, really awesome. But also what I like about him is I think his egomania was finite. I really don't hmm. think he had that much of an ego because if you look at the way he composed, he and like Michael said about Brahms, I think Sibelius was innovative. You know, he composed these symphonies, he he poured himself into it and when he got as far as he wanted, he said, "Okay, I'm done." Like that was enough. You know, I don't think he would be power hungry and mm-hmm. I don't think there would be this sort of, you know, thirst for more to conquer the world to earn more money. I think he would play fairly, and I think he would would really have a a level head about certain things. What I like about him is he also seemed to go against the critics. He said, you know, don't pay attention to what the critics say. No statue has ever been erected to a critic. Hmm. And that's true. <laughs> so good. So I really like that. And he also used to say, as a violist, I love this, he also used to say, I conduct orchestras in my sleep. The orchestras are so big, the last desk of violas vanish you know into the mist it's so wonderful <laughs> and so i thought that was super funny um so he's a little bit of a dreamer my Rude. vice president bid oh. i'm a little bit torn mm-hmm. um part of me wants to go with benjamin Britten, hmm. uh because i think he's very attractive for the outsiders i think he himself was a very emotional man and had a lot of you know interesting personal experiences so he might you know get those people who identify as outsiders or outliers you know they just need someone to look up to i think he also cared a lot about education and supporting future generations so i think he he'd be a level head to have for that Mm -hmm. if i went with a performer instead of benjamin Britten, i would probably take anna sophie muta Mm-hmm. Because she, I think, could handle the international aspect really well. She is a great businesswoman, has set up an awesome foundation for musicians looking out for young talent, uh, and has always conducted herself well publicly. She's always stayed fit physically and musically. I just think she'd be a really good role model and a level head in the White House. So I would have to say Sibelius, then with the you know, split ticket. Britain or Anna Sophie Mutta. Man, that's another mm-hmm. good one. Squad. This is making me so much more excited than right. real life. <laughs> Sibelius, Britain, Sophie Mutter, 2016. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So the ticket I originally thought of was Yo-Yo Ma and Gil Shaham. First of all, I've had the privilege of working with both of them. And it was amazing for so many reasons. But... Yo-Yo Ma has the Silk Road Ensemble. So he has already proven that he can work with people from different cultures, people from different backgrounds, and um, bring them together to form something extremely cohesive and beautiful. And he's also a United Nations messenger of the peace. Get out. Yeah, and so it already shows that he has an international standing and yeah. can be diplomatic and work, you know, foreign affairs people. 
And then Gil Shaham just is, man, he's just so cool and he's so humble and he is so kind and so giving um, of his time and, you know, advice. And, and uh, I mean, I just think that they would be excellent together working and they would and, and Yo-Yo Ma went to Harvard. Right. Yeah. He's got that. I mean, so he's got brains. Yeah. they've got he's brains. Beautiful. They've got beautiful sound. Yeah. They look good they're and they sound right. and they're smart. Yeah. Please don't rain on my parade right now. <laughs> if I had a rebuttal against Jessica's bit, I would have to say uh, comparing myself to a good oboist friend of ours who has this like thing against any men with curly hair. Does he have curly <laughs> hair? Okay, I, Gil Shaham has proven himself no, over I know, and over but again. I have that thing. It's not that curly. He, none of them have curly hair, but I have that thing against people with very long, thin, bony fingers. <laughs> like when I see long, thin, bony fingers, I get nervous. Hmm. Okay, I just want to say that I was nothing but supportive of both of the previous tickets. That's true. And I don't understand why I'm getting I'm, ripped apart hey, right now. Let's let, 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 let him your, finish. He didn't right interrupt you when you talk. Kind of he didn't interrupt you when you talk. <laughs> 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 oh, Christian. Long and bony fingers. Okay, this is getting really inappropriate, and I don't no, understand how or why I started it because that was not my intention. Uh, you can just take uh, out my whole rebuttal thing. But <laughs> we need, we need right, Anna to speak. Uh, who's Let's your go. ticket? Things are getting hot up in here. We need some presence of peace, and and I'm just gonna say, Bach, Bach for president. Okay. Right. His Bach for president. Speaks for himself. No nonsense. If you don't like Bach, get out of my life. Also, <laughs> we should start a movement. Like, if you don't like Bach, you can unfriend Bach. me right now. <laughs> T-shirts coming soon. And if you look at Christians and European, Euro- European, <laughs> Europe or European countries. Let me just make that a thing. <laughs> I'm too heated. It's too exciting. I know it is exciting. Fun fact, when I was homeschooled, I was on a debate team. Ooh. Then I moved into Lincoln Douglas, which was far more boring without a partner. Anyway. You debated yourself. I debate. Oh, that's not what Lincoln Douglas means. Okay. (laughs) You debate. It's one person against one person. Right. I know. But didn't you have to debate against yourself because there was nobody to debate against? No, I was in the Florida, de- like Florida debate team. I don't understand. Homeschoolers can also do okay. things not alone. <laughs> Back what? on topic. Bach speaks for himself. He was a family man. As we all know, he cranked out some children. Also mm-hmm. against birth control. Mm. <laughs> Women's rights. <laughs> Talking about raining on your parade, you're trying to rain on my Bach parade. No, I'm not. I was just, just making a little comment of fugues. Um, if we need any Bach quotes, he is known to say, "I was obliged to be industrious. Whoever is equally industrious will succeed equally well." I also appreciate that he said, "If I decide to be an idiot, then I'll be an idiot on my own accord." <laughs> oh my gosh, it's the best thing I've ever heard. Oh, for his VP, mm-hmm. I have chosen. Shostakovich. <laughs> Just going yes. full, full fantasy right yeah. now. Because I think Bach, for what he lacked in political know-how, possibly, even though I think he had a lot of interaction with people in leadership, if he needed any backing up, obviously Shostakovich is a great choice. And do I need to like even bring up his quotes? Real music is always revolutionary, for it cements the rank of the people. It arouses them and leads them onward. Oh, man. 
So good. <sighs> this is what the debates Bach should be. Shostakovich 2016. It would be epic. I think Shostakovich could push Bach in a more aggressive um, channel if necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like you have the jovial Bach and yep. you mm-hmm. have the brooding Shostakovich. They yeah. kind of balance each other. Yeah, it yeah. could really excite the party base. You know, Shostakovich would be like a little too much fun and games all the time. So I figured Bach was a little more grounded <laughs> than Haydn. <laughs> oh, if only. Uh, if only. I wouldn't vote for any of yours. We wouldn't even have a. We wouldn't even I know, have a right? competition. That's, that's true. I would vote for any of of your tickets, even though you guys don't like mine. Hey, and I would be happy with those decisions. I absolutely like your ticket. Also, that's the only ticket with two living people. Yeah. And I need to apologize True. to like yeah. the, you know, the winds and brass and percussionists of the world. But I just feel like, well, feel free these guys to are good. feel free to pipe in with your ideas on composers and performers that you would vote for for president. Mm hmm. You can do that in the comments. The sh- address is www. That's so hard to say. <laughs> you, can, you can find that link on www.perservice.co slash 14. Also with Nailed the it. hashtag musicians for president. Hashtag Ooh. musicians for president. Or music for president. Or something. We don't have to use that one, but I think no, we should have a hashtag out there. Be sure to visit us on Instagram. We would love to see you over there. Per Service Podcast. Also at iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your fine podcasts. It's a wrap. Well, I feel much better about the political yeah. state of things is, after this discussion. There is Basically hope for us all. It. <laughs> Can we get a mouth trumpet for this? <laughs> a lot of angst in there. I've been Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wiersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. And we're all nuts. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that is our show, folks. Again, perservice.co slash 14 is where you'll find some of the links to the articles we mentioned and some of those great campaign posters for the candidates. Um, Please feel free to share those and let us know who you would rather vote for. You can use the hashtag musiciansforpresident and follow us during the week on Instagram. We are at perservicepodcast.com. Well, folks, I leave you with this quote again from Shostakovich. Real music is always revolutionary for it cements the ranks of the people. It arouses them and leads them onward. Be well and practice well. and We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks.